am amazed at, you know, some of the quality of the produce and being able to pick out craze straight from the sea or, um, you know, process wallaby off the farm that has been um, shot, you know, a couple of hours before. Like it's just, I think it's the whole process of doing it that really makes you appreciate the food and the ingredients. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Every time restrictions have eased and borders have opened, regional tourism has blossomed. But the continual uncertainty of restrictions has meant most have had to stop and start again and consider the viability and worth of what they do. Some, though, have created something quite special, capturing the essence of hospitality, of a sense of place, and of the connection it brings us to in remote regional settings. Joe Yule is the founder and director of On Island Time on Flinders Island. Joe, how are you? Yeah, really well. Thank you for having me today. Oh, it's good to have you on the show. Um, tell us a little bit about what it's like on Flinders Island at the moment. Yeah, so my husband and I have lived here for 10 years. Um, we're living on a farm up north. Um, we've had the farm in our family since the 1930s. And at the moment, we've got, yeah, three young kids, a two-year-old, four-year-old and six-year-old. And we love life here. It's really amazing. Um, We're really remote, um, but it's really an incredible upbringing for them. And, yeah, we just love the slowness of life here and what the island offers. You mentioned that um, the family have been there since the 1930s. Uh, Tell us a bit about um, farming and, and the history of the family. Yeah, so it's a really interesting farm. I grew up on a farm just out of Melbourne and my husband Tom grew up on a farm in the Midlands in Tasmania. So when we moved here 10 years ago, no one had ever lived on this farm full time. Um, It was pretty run down. Um, It's, yeah, about 3,000 acres and we're probably running about 50,000 wallabies on the farm, which was, it was amazing, but it meant that we couldn't really put any cattle on the property or do much with it until we fix that issue. So we've got about 20 kilometres of wallaby-proof fence that runs around all of our sort of arable improved areas. Um, yeah, so it's an amazing farm. We sort of felt really privileged to move here that it was so run down and we could start from scratch and sort of build it back up again. And now this year we're carving 750 Angus cattle. So, yeah, it's been quite a journey. We've been doing it for about five years. Um, Yeah, just trying to sort of get things up and running. And Tom's done an amazing job. He sort of looks after all the farming side of things. And I suppose I look after, I've got a real passion around the paddock to plate and food side of it. And that's sort of where everything stemmed from with the Flinders Wharf. And we've also got four properties that I manage, um, two being on the farm. So they're really fantastic farm stays. Well, tell, tell us a bit about the experience that you've created there and what it take to, took to pull it together because you're offering like uh, exceptional luxury accommodation but a real focus on food and, and produce of the island. Yeah, I think that's definitely my passion. I went to ag college and growing up on a farm, I also when I holidayed here when I was a young girl, we would go um, around the farm and shoot wallabies and go fishing in the river and um, fishing in the sea and do all these amazing things. And when I moved here 10 years ago, you couldn't actually buy any local produce. So I was quite taken back by 
having these memories and experiences, but then, yeah, just there was just no connect down the main street of being able to sort of access this amazing produce. So I think I just knew when I first moved here that that's something that had to change. Um, and I've got no hospitality experience, so <laughs> I suppose it's been a huge challenge. Um, I feel like we're into year three this year with our restaurant, and I had a cafe sort of two, three years before that, and I feel like I'm finally just getting to know the ropes, really. Tell us a bit about the local produce. Pro- produce. Is there a, a producer or two that exemplifies the food of, of, of the island for you? Oh, it's amazing. We actually have probably 10 producers who I just love working with them. They are so incredible. What they produce is world-class and it's really just such a joy to be around them. Um, So this year especially, we've got some really good seafood producers. Um, There's a bit of a change in guard. We've got a 78-year-old crayfisherman who everyone that's been here knows Jack. He's amazing. He's just such a lovely guy and he is sort of third generation crayfisherman. But I think this might be his last year, which is fair enough. But we've got, yeah, a few younger guys that are coming through. Um, we've got Craig Wheatley, Craig uh, Jack's nephew, who has a fishing licence and he's really one to watch. He's getting some fantastic um, catches for us. He comes in every week um, with his ute to the wharf and unloads and uh, it means we can do more seafood, which we're really excited about. Um, we've also got a couple of growers who have big gardens and they grow specifically for us. Um, and then we've got the beef here and that's sort of the long-term dream is to be able to process our beef on island. And I'm not sure how that would work, but at the moment we send all of our beef off the island to Cape Grim. Um, who do all the processing, but that's sort of the ultimate dream is to have a micro abattoir where we can do multiple species through the one facility. You mentioned you had a cafe for three years and the restaurant about three years as well. Tell us about your food and, and the offering that you do. Yeah, definitely. When we started with the cafe, it was pretty simple. It was really like operating out of a garage. So we had no equipment and no ventilation and no um, idea, really, what we were doing. (laughs) And then now we've got the restaurant, which is amazing. And I'm so lucky to have an amazing chef, Marky Yeo, um, who's been working for us for a couple of years. And, yeah, he, without him, like we would, it would be really challenging. Um, But he's just made it really easy that... He focuses on the menu and working with the producers and I sort of help um, connect everything around it. Um, And definitely finding staff here is always a challenge. Um, But I think this season we've got a couple of great girls who have just joined our team and we're really looking forward to it. And we sort of sell the idea of, you know, it's a lifestyle of living on the island and working, that it's really that balance. And if you don't get out and about and enjoy the island, you're not going to love it here. (laughs) (laughs) How would you describe Flinders Flinders Island to people that haven't been there? Yeah, it's definitely, it's actually a really interesting place. I've heard a lot about King Island, but I think King's quite flat and there's a lot of agriculture and, um, but it's quite different here. It's quite, we've got a lot of mountains. We've got a lot of, um, like Mount Streslecki is National Park. There's a lot of crown land. There's a lot of farming. Uh, It's a really beautiful, picturesque island. Um, And it's quite big. It's 70 kilometres long by 30 kilometres wide. 
And there's a lot of exploring. Um, even this season, I'm giving all of our guys a map and I want to, by the end of the year, you know, sit down and compare where everyone's been, where we, we have explored and um, just the different places. It's just so diverse. Um, it's really exciting. Pulling all of this together with the cattle farm and the accommodation and the restaurant, tell us about the challenges in the last couple of years of pulling it together with a young family as well. Do you have any stories you can tell us? Yeah, definitely. It is a challenge. Um, yeah, I think I've just got a really great family. Like the kids are fantastic. They obviously have their moments. Um, Tom's really supportive which is really good. But I think we just feel like we want to have a crack now and now's the time in our life to really have a go. Um, we're just so fortunate to be on an amazing property and in a place. I think Flinders is such a blank canvas. So I really, you know, want to encourage other people coming here and doing some amazing things. And there's just so many opportunities that, yeah, every day we're just so grateful to be doing what we're doing. Take us back to when you were young. You mentioned you grew up on a farm in Victoria. What, what was it like and what was food like for you and your family? Yeah, definitely. It was an amazing upbringing and I think that's where I'm, again, so lucky that my parents really supported me and encouraged me to try and be really good at something. Um, so, yeah, I used to horse ride and uh, work on the farm and it was a really amazing childhood. Um, and that's where I think my love of food came from is sort of seeing, you know, growing fat lambs and cropping and having cattle and horses and really understanding, you know, animal welfare and, um, yeah, just really sort of seeing it all and knowing how happy, you know, the stock are and then going to ag college and going through um, all the ins and outs of, you know, food production and we went to China and did some other amazing things, which was really good to understand it all. But I think then coming to a place and not seeing that local food production, it sort of really stood out and made a mark on me and I thought, yeah, that really has to change. What triggered the Flinders Island move for you and your family? Yeah, so Tom and I started going out and he I knew he would never move to Melbourne um, and he then moved to Flinders and said he he's a builder he's a qualified builder so he started doing his building trade here and I was like oh that's so random we've got a farm there you know as a young girl I grew up going to Flinders Island so that's sort of how it all happened and it took me a few years to move here and I thought oh, I'll come here for six months and see how it goes and that was 10 years ago. You were part of uh the group of people that brought together the food and crayfish festival and tell us a bit about uh, the festival and, and what you guys created. Yeah, definitely. The festival was designed to help market the island. I think a lot of people get confused with King Island. Um, a lot of people don't know where Flinders Island is, um, which is definitely fair enough. It's really been tucked away in Bass Strait for centuries and centuries. So the idea of the festival was to get a group of people together but really create this sort of awareness around the love of the local produce and um, what this place can really showcase. So, yeah, we had an amazing time the first year we put it all together. Um, it was really led by David Moyle, who was fantastic, and we went to him to sort of be to headline it, and he came back to us with another 10 names of people that wanted to be involved. 
which was really incredible and we will always be so thankful and yeah it was really incredible what he did can you tell us about the feast that you that they put on as part of the festival yeah definitely i remember it was pouring with rain that day <laughs> so everything was being cooked outside on the fire um yeah and it was such a challenge there's no water no power at the site and we were hosting 180 people for lunch and multiple courses, multiple chefs, no equipment, yeah, no power, no water. It was, they, I can't believe how they pulled it off. And everyone was so happy and smiling and loved it. And yeah, it's something that we will all never forget. How has uh, being on Flinders Island changed your view on food and, and food production? Yeah, definitely. I think some of the best food I've had is just the most simple. So I really think it's, um, yeah, I, I'm really thankful and I really um, am amazed at, you know, some of the quality of the produce and being able to pick out craze straight from the sea or, um, you know, process wallaby off the farm that has been um, shot, you know, a couple of hours before. Like it's just, I think it's the whole process of doing it that really makes you appreciate the food and the ingredients. You've mentioned wallaby quite a, a few times and um, not a lot of people have eaten wallaby. Kangaroo is much more popular. Do you have any sort of tips on the best way to cook it and eat it? Yeah, I like to marinate it in like a honey soy garlic. Um, I love to, yeah, just get the fillets, marinate it and then cook it in a hot pan or on the barbecue um, for not long and then slice it up and it's really raw and delicious and yeah, it's definitely not stringy like kangaroo. Um, it's it's yummy. It's really great. Flinders Island is in Bass Strait, which is known for its wild weather and big seas. Have you got any stories about the weather? Uh, it's pretty wild. Um, my dad drove his boat across from Victoria <laughs> to Flinders <laughs> when he, it was probably two years ago, which was pretty amazing. He's 70 plus. So, yeah, it's, um, it can get really wild. I think it can turn really quickly, the weather here. And then it can, yeah, it's just, I don't know, you sort of get used to it. There's lots of times where a house has been struck by lightning or things have happened that are pretty severe, but I suppose we get pretty used to it living here. And that's just, yeah, what goes with it. The last year and a half has been pretty challenging for so many people. What's it been like for you with such a remote um, travel um, option that you're offering people? Has, have you been impacted? Yeah, definitely. We were actually positively impacted last year uh, when all the borders opened in Tasmania and everywhere. We had this big influx of people wanting to go away and Luckily, I think we had done enough marketing before that that we were sort of in the in one of the regions that a lot of people wanted to travel, especially Tasmanians. It's amazing how many Tassie people haven't been here. Um, and I feel like that could be the same this year. I think definitely, generally our market's the eastern seaboard. Um, it's sort of Melbourne, Sydney, Tassie. Um, I think we'll be fine this year. I think definitely not having Victoria and Sydney at the moment will impact us. Um, but we, yeah, we're just so lucky. As long as Tassie stays open, then we're fine. But if not, we will just, yeah, have to roll with the punches. And that's a good thing, I suppose, about diversifying and having the farm and other things going on is we can, yeah, just, you know, shut the doors and sit back and wait for things to improve. 
now you're a few years in doing this and you're feeling more comfortable about what your offering is, what do you think it is that makes great hospitality? Yeah, I think definitely the service, um, definitely really good food. Um, yeah, and it's something that we're still working on. I think the service side has been a bit of a struggle for us. Um, but, yeah, just the overall experience. I think, you know, they have to feel the charm of the island come through the venue as well. So we're working really hard on making sure that there's a real maritime theme at the wharf and the menu is, you know, really seafood orientated. Um, yeah, so I think it's just a combination. It's definitely hospitality is really challenging and I've never done anything harder in my life than running this month. Well, with the cattle farm and the uh, ven- venues that you manage as well as your own on the property, um, what, what's the average day for you like? Can you take us through what it takes to pull together the experience you offer? Yeah, definitely. I suppose I work really from nine till three, sort of the kids getting them to school and getting, you know, the house organised and everything sort of takes me up to start to nine. And then I will be, yeah, depends some days sort of, you know, um, doing some admin and ordering and um, HR and all that stuff. Um, And then tomorrow, for example, I'll be meeting the two new girls who have started and going through their work plans. And yeah, we're just sort of planning and getting organised. It's still a pretty quiet time for us. So when we do hit full season that we can be, you know, dropping off catering or um, yeah, sort of organising menus and just doing all the operational stuff that needs to get done. Um, I have great cleaners who help me with the accommodation Um, But with all of the accommodation, I go in before to style and make sure everything's set up properly. Um, So I'm really, yeah, keen that when people see what we market and that's what they get when they get here. What what drew you to uh, create a unique hospitality offering like you do? Yeah, I think I know food's really important when I go away. Um, So that's sort of why I've spent all these years creating this sort of food offering but ultimately it's the whole package so it's going to be yeah the accommodation um and the food as well and that's sort of what we do at the moment but it's really when people leave and travel here there's got to be a great experience on the flights and um, with the car hire and the whole experience in a whole um so i think yeah we've nearly got the food down pat um, the accommodation is developing. We'd like to potentially put some cabins on the farm and do a little bit more um, sort of in the near future. Um, but, yeah, that's sort of – that's it. For those wanting to visit Flinders Island from the mainland, when, when are they able to and, and how do they get there? Yeah, so obviously they can come when the border restrictions ease. Um, but to get here from uh, Victoria – you can just go to Essendon Airport and Sharp Airlines um, is the RPT carrier. Um, there's also charter companies which charter at a Lilydale. Um, so if there's sort of more than four of you, that's definitely an option to look into. And from Tassie, you can go with Sharp, go out of now Hobart and Launceston. And we also have another charter company that goes out of Bridport and they're fantastic. How has living on Flinders Island changed your life? Yeah, it's been, it's amazing. I would never have thought that I would be here sort of 15 years ago. 
Um, yeah, I think it's just really, I've learned so much. I've learned so much about living in a small community and running a business in a remote island and obviously dealing with all the challenges that goes around that. But I think as a whole, like nothing brings me more joy than seeing my kids grow up here and seeing, like they were swimming last night, which I was like, they're nuts. But anyway, <laughs> that's just island kids for you. They are, they're nuts. <laughs> What's next for you and what's the future look like for Flinders Island? Yeah, I would like to see us continue to work with these amazing people that we've met along the line. So we've done some great work with Mark LeBroy and Dave Moyle and James Viles and Joe Barrett and Matt Stone and, yeah, some other fantastic people. So I'd love to continue those relationships and to work with those guys. Um, I'd like to do some more accommodation um, but ultimately look at, doing some more targeted food experiences where people can get the whole um, experience like I did when I was a young girl of, you know, seeing things on the farm and being able to pick things or grab things and, you know, using those ingredients and making them into something and really, um, yeah, sort of simplifying, sort of simplifying the food and, and really connecting with that I think would be really fantastic. King Island has King Island cream and cheese. What, what's the product that's going to put Flinders Island on the map? Um, good question. I don't know. I think it's a multitude of different products. I think the produce and the proteins are really good. I, I would have said the crayfish, but obviously we're going through a bit of a transition phase with Jack the Crayfisherman, um, who's retiring. So, yeah, I think it's lots of products. I think we have marketed you know, the crayfish a lot, it'll still be available. But, yeah, I think there's so many hero products that it's hard to pick which one. What is it that you love about what you do? Um, yeah, I just love, I suppose, just seeing, you know, meeting people, like being in such a remote place. It's really, yeah, I love, you know, going out there and meeting customers who come in the door and they're just really excited to be here and a lot of them want to come back, which is amazing. So it's just we meet so many interesting people that come through and stay with us or eat with us or, and that's really fantastic and that's what I love. Well, Joe, it's a, amazing uh, what you do there and I'm sure there's a lot of people very much looking forward to um, coming and staying once the borders are open when it gets a bit warmer. We've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story. Please keep in touch. Thank you so much. We'll catch up again soon. Excellent. Thanks, Huck. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.